Welcome to Stonebridge Online. Just before we start the service, here are some announcements and things to know. During this time of worshiping online, it's important to continue contributing to the ongoing ministry of Stonebridge. Here are the ways in which you can give. You can give online through our website at stonebridgecme.com, click on online giving. You can give through your bank's bill pay option, or you can give by mail. If you'd like business reply offering envelopes sent to you, please contact the church office. On Sunday, August 2nd, from 9 to 10 a.m., we'll be celebrating communion via drive-thru. At the same time, we'll be collecting diapers and wipes for those families in need in support of the Community Pregnancy Clinic. This is a great way our church family can help other families right here in our community. Take it a step further and personalize your donation with an encouraging note. Visit StonebridgeSeeMe.com for more details. If you have a hurt, habit, or hang-up that's keeping you from a joyful and productive life, perhaps Stonebridge Christian Recovery is for you. Meetings are online every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Send an email to Barbara Waite to get registered. We would love to know that you're participating in worship each week. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgesemi.com. Or, if you're following along in version, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. Once again, welcome to worship. Hello and welcome to Stonebridge Online Worship. I'm Pastor Jonathan. Today in worship, Pastor Neil will be challenging us to consider the condition of our spiritual hearts. So I thought it would be appropriate to begin our worship with the words from Psalm 51, 10 through 12. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew the right spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore in me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Again, welcome to worship. It's great to be with you guys again. Um, As we enter into a time of worship uh, today, let's start with a word of prayer. Father God, what an amazing privilege it is to call you Father. Lord, you are good. You are faithful. And you are Lord over everything. God, and as we call you Lord, and as we call you Father, Lord, May it be written on our hearts even deeper as we gather together to worship and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.
What you say That you're 
Stonebridge. Today our scripture reading comes from Mark chapter 4 verses 2 through 9. Jesus taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Hello, Stonebridge. I'm really excited to be talking about one of my favorite parables of Jesus coming out of Mark chapter 4. It's the story of the farmer who threw seed into his field. Uh, and the reason I love the story so much is that Jesus gives us four steps we can use to create an environment in our own lives, in our own hearts, where transformation, where personal growth, spiritual growth, is the norm, where it's expected, where we can count on it. And that's what I'm all about, and I'm, I hope you're interested and excited about it. And, and so we're going to dig right into it. Uh, it is about the fact that spiritual growth should be expected and Jesus talks about 30, 60, even 100 fold. And, and just to say what that means, uh, what that meant was is that a farmer could expect uh, if he planted a field, he should get a decent crop, uh, maybe 30, uh, 30 time multiple multiplier of whatever seed he put in, he'd get back out. And on a good year, uh, when the rain and the sun was just right, maybe he'd double that and get 60 times. And then the old timers could remember a time when, remember back in aught 17 when we got a hundred times uh, fold. And uh, so, so growth was expected. It was normal. Sometimes it gets better and sometimes it's amazing. And that's what 
we're looking for in our own lives is, is how can we help create an environment in ourselves where growth is expected? And we're going to take a look at that. Um, Jesus' uh, point was that we can expect growth. And he gives us four kinds of soil types in this parable, in this story. And from those, we get these four steps to good soil, a good soil environment that is designed for growth. So this parable with uh, the farmer, it's a very visual picture. I'm sure that everyone who was listening to it at the, that time, they were familiar with fields and how they worked. Here's a picture of a field and it shows all of the elements that Jesus talks about. Uh, first, the farmer's walking down a hard packed path. You can see it there uh, in the distance uh, and probably heading out from his barn and he's walking along that path and it has been pressed down and then along the edge. And in this photo, we see rocks piled up and maybe in a field, they're piled up along the uh, path because what's happened, the farmers have obviously has had to get the rocks out of his field. And then right beside the rocks, there's usually some little space of weeds. You can see those there. Scripture, Jesus called them thorns, a particular kind of weed, but they're weeds. They're, they're in that patch of land where the farmer really isn't bothering with it because uh, he's, not, he's not planting seeds intentionally there. Uh, and then we see the field, and these have straight rows of uh, grooves and tops and right where the plants are going to grow. And you can see that the farmer has taken good care of it. And uh, as he gets into that uh, field, that farmer starts to throw that seed uh, liberally, generously, and it says some falls in the weeds and some falls in the rocks, even some on the path. Uh, but most of it gets into the field. And I want you to freeze that image of that farmer, freeze that in your mind, of that farmer throwing the seed. And I want you to rewind it now. Uh, he's walking backwards back to the barn along that path and then fast, uh, fast rewind back years before uh, until there is no field, there is no path. And we get a picture that it would look more like this, where nothing's happened yet. And we can only see where the path is going to be and where the field is going to be and where those rocks are laid out and the weeds beside them. Eventually, it'll all happen. But right now, here's what I want you to see. It's an important point. The dirt is all the same. It's all the same dirt. Now, fast forward back to uh, where we are again, past the farmer sowing the seed, uh, past where we were, up until when there's a crop that is grown, and imagine a wheat field uh, so thick you can't even see the ground for as far as the eye can see, and we've got a picture of that, and there you can see the field and there's a path you can see that's been pressed down right in the middle of it, and there's probably rocks and weeds around it. There are a few straggler wheat among the weeds and in the rocks, nothing in the path because nothing can grow there. But here's the really important point. The dirt is still the same dirt. He didn't bring in uh, more dirt for the field. He just took the dirt that he had and created four different environments for the soil. Created a path that was useless for the soil. Hard and compacted. He created an, a space for rocks where you just pull the rocks out of the way. And that area is shallow. And then he created a space for the weeds. Didn't really create a space for them. He just let them grow there. That's a same soil, but a different environment for the soil for the seeds to grow in and then the field same dirt just a different environment for growth because of the way the farmer took care of it the difference is the environment created in each of those areas of dirt some packed hard so birds can come and pick it out 
uh, the seeds easily that's scattered on that road. Some of the dirt is shallow under the rocks. Some's overgrown with weeds and some is perfect for growing. And each of those areas started with the same dirt. We all in our souls, in our spirits, in our, in our hearts, we all have the same dirt. None of us start off better or more advantaged than another. But in us, the environment for growth can come about because of the way we take care of that soil. Story, obviously, a parable, a metaphor about growth. And it begs the question for us, what kind of soil is our heart? So I'm going to uh, briefly go over those elements of the story and see what they are metaphors for. The farmer is God. And the seed is God's word, the gospel, the good news of our faith. The soil is our heart, our hearts. And there are two important lessons that we start with in this parable. Um, and the first lesson is this. Our hearts have all four kinds of soil. It all began with the same kind of dirt. By the, but by the time you and I are as old as we are, we have all four kinds of soil in our hearts. Let me mention all four, and then I'll come back to them in a few minutes. In our hearts, we have compacted soil, which is tough, and rocky soil, which is scorched, and thorn-filled or weed-filled soil, which is overstimulated, and prepared soil, which is growth-oriented. So lesson one, our hearts have all four kinds of soil. And lesson two, our job is to prepare the soil of our hearts. That's our job. We're not the sower. We're not the farmer. That's God's job. It's the Holy Spirit's job to make the seed grow inside us. It's just our job to prepare the soil to be good for growth. We don't plant the seeds. We don't decide what the seed is. We can only prepare the soil of our hearts to be growth-oriented by turning over the rough soil, removing the rocks, pulling the weeds, watering and fertilizing the field. So how we do that is where we're going to spend the rest of this message. Over the last two sermons, we've already heard about four tools that can be used, um, four methods that can be used for doing this work of tilling the soil and preparing our heart's environment. We've touched briefly on fasting and silence and solitude and prayer. And we're going to utilize those four resources to prepare the soil of our heart. And remember, our purpose is to prepare more and more of our heart to be good soil for the, whole, for the Holy Spirit to grow God's word and truth in us. So let's get started. First, we look at compacted soil. The scripture says, As Jesus was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. So the first thing Jesus mentions is the path. All farms need paths. And all hearts need compacted soil. These are our core beliefs, uh, the elements of our character that make us who we are. And we don't want to compromise that. that. It's okay to have compacted soil. The problem comes when too much of our heart soil is compacted paths. Have you ever seen a big picture of a mansion or driven by some great estate and you see a huge circle driveway? Here's a picture of uh, that kind of thing. Look at all of that brick, all of that paved area. And like these mansions, our hearts can have so much paved and compacted soil that we have no room for fields, no room for growth. And this happens when more and more of our hearts and our thoughts and our attitudes and frankly, our opinions and our beliefs get compacted, get packed down, unchanging. You can't get into it. You can't crack it open. And we may know this is an issue for us uh, when we say or think things like, 
Don't bother me with the facts. Fake news. Even when it comes to scripture, our hearts get packed down when we think something like the Bible says it, that settles it. Well, that isn't always helpful because we don't actually mean the Bible says it. What we mean is our interpretation of the Bible says it, and that settles it. But you know what? There's a lot of other interpretations. And just because we have one doesn't mean it's necessarily the best or the most correct or even what Jesus meant when he said something. So it's a problem when too much of our heart soil is compacted path. And the solution is, for a tough heart, fast from familiar inputs. Hmm. Fast from familiar inputs. Fasting is an exercise of intentionally not putting something into us for an expended amount for an extended amount of time, usually you know one, two, three days, and um, usually it's fast. It's food. Uh, we fast from food, or you know during Lent we fast from chocolate or from potato chips or things like that. I'm not going to ask us to fast from food, but for this situation we can fast from our familiar inputs. They say that today we all live in information bubbles and we have feedback loops that ensure that we have only the information we already agree with. We only listen to opinions uh, that we already believe. That's all we hear. And um, Americans, they say, have gotten into the habit of doom scrolling. Have you heard that term? Doom scrolling. It's where I do it. We sit and we just scroll through our our news feeds, or maybe in the old days, a few years ago, when we used to read newspapers, same thing. We would just read bad news after bad news after bad news. And oh my, it, it happens so much today. And the more we read, the more similar articles we read, because our feeds are smart. And when we click on an article, it sends more like that article. And then you and I can choose the sources that we want, whether it's particular news channels or newspapers uh, or anything like that, we can choose and select which ones we hear from and which ones we don't. And I'm pretty sure those uh, programs we have on our phones and our computers, they begin to edit that for us automatically anyway, potentially. So over time, anything that differs from our already established opinions, it's filtered out. Our minds and our hearts have become impervious to new input. Uh, or if we take input, it comes from the same sources. And it just may be that our hearts have gotten too tough for God's word to get into us. Maybe. We call that being hard-hearted. The solution is to fast from those familiar inputs. It's simple to say, but it's not easy to do. Try putting down your phone for one to three days. Stop reading those news feeds that are so familiar to us and watching our usual forms of input, newspapers, news feeds, TV news, friends, you know, that we gather around and we all shoot the breeze in the same sort of ways. Put a moratorium on your usual input. I'm not saying uh, go looking for other input or that you have to start reading other books or articles or authors or, or, or news channels that you don't like. The point uh, is to fast from our familiar inputs. That is us taking a place and allowing us to break up the soil of our hearts. It's up to the Holy Spirit to put the seed of truth into us. It's up to God to cast that seed in the Holy Spirit to water it and bring it sunshine. We're not in charge of the growth. We're just in charge of the environment of the growth. And remember, the purpose is to prepare the soil of our hearts, to make them environments for healthy growth. So as um, you fast from these inputs, tell God what you're doing. Lord, I'm setting aside all of this just to prepare the environment of my heart, that soil, Use some of your found time to read this scripture. Maybe read this particular scripture every day. 
and do daily devotions if you like. Remember and reflect on passages of scripture that you really enjoy and that have meant something to you in your life. Our job's not to grow the seed, it's simply to make our heart soil a good growth environment. And that we move on from the path to the rocky soil. Verse five and six, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Now, all fields have rocks. All hearts have that uh, kind of rocky soil. And because they have to be removed from the field and they just get pushed over to the side. Uh, if you go to Ireland, you see fields everywhere that look like this. And um, plots of land are divided by three foot tall, uh, three foot high rock walls. It, they didn't do this. They didn't ship those rocks in to build walls to keep their neighbors out. These were literally all the rocks in their fields and they had to get them somewhere. And so they pile up these walls. It's good to get rocks out of the field. Rocks in the field of our hearts are anything that take up room where good soil should be. So for us, this may be habits that we have that use up a lot of time and energy of ours. Attitudes, even prejudices. Some of the Pharisees, um, I'm sorry, some of the phrases that were used when I was a kid uh, might suggest rocky hearts. These are things, you remember people saying, get a haircut, you hippie, get a job. Uh, these are the, the, the kinds of rocks that we have in our lives that stimulate that kind of immediate reaction and response to someone. Put a ring on it. it I mean, wow, what a judgmental statement to make. Um, and they just come out of us, these phrases that dismiss others and that often jump out of our lips or certainly into our minds. There are gender versions of these phrases and racial versions as well. The problem comes when the rocks build up and the soil is too shallow. Imagine if you were pushing a plow through a field or more like today, digging in your garden and digging a trench or digging a hole and you push down in one spot and the shovel goes down nice and smooth and pulls out rocks. Uh, and then you do it again and you step on the shovel and you get jarred when you hit a rock and your shovel stops and it shakes your whole body. And uh, yet you, you had no idea it was going to happen. It just happens. That rock was hidden. Rocks like that are in our hearts as well, hidden in the ground. The dirt above them is shallow. And when they pile up, the ground beneath them gets shallow. And then when the heat comes, the heat of challenges and uh, issues in, in our lives, in the forms of unexpected encounters, circumstances, our pre-existing thoughts kick in. Our hearts get scorched, burned. This can look like insensitivity towards others and towards the things of God. It can come out like harsh language or crude joking. And we can become oversensitive. We all know what a sunburn feels like and you don't touch me. We don't like it being touched. Same things goes with a heart that is filled with rocks, where we can be overly sensitive, we can be resistant, uh, and we can have these responses that pop up in us unexpectedly. And e even people say, well, that doesn't sound like you. And you might even think, well, you might even think, I don't know where that came from. Well, that's a rock. And when we discover them, um, we realize the problem is not that uh, we have rocks. It's, it's, when, it's when there's so many that the rest of our soil gets shallow. And the solution is, for a scorched heart, watch in silence. Watch in silence. Now, this could be on TV or in public. 
Keep an eye out for people unlike us, unlike you, and see them with non-judgmental eyes. Um, don't, don't let these thoughts immediately jump to mind, or if they do, kind of just pass them out of the way. Stop to realize we really know nothing about these other people that we see. And whatever story we create in our minds based on what we see is just that, a story. I say we can do this on TV or out in public. On TV is a good place to practice. I watch reality shows and some of you watch sports and I'll bet that some of you talk to the athletes on the screen. I talk to the reality participants. Um, so for example, uh, I watch Sugar Rush occasionally on Netflix and they have contestants who are making cupcakes and treats and things. And uh, invariably, there'll be a contestant who decides they're going to make two or three cupcakes when the brief just says, make one. And I start talking to him. I said, don't you watch this show? Don't you realize every time somebody makes more than what they're supposed to, they're the one that gets voted out because you don't have time to make them. Oh my gosh, this is a spectator sport for me. I'm engaged with them. And my family just shushes me, you know, sh we can't hear, just be quiet. Um, when we are out in public, most of us don't say the kinds of things we think, but they come to our minds. We see someone and thoughts pop, pop up into our heads. Somebody driving slow or maybe not turning right. And we say, hurry up, where'd you learn to drive? Who, we, we see somebody that doesn't dress the way we do and we say, who buys your clothes? And it can be worse. And we know that. And we've heard the worse many times in recent weeks and months. But these thoughts and God forbid, actual words or gestures lead to and come from scorched hearts where the soil of our hearts are too shallow and the heat of our lives and situations cause us to shout out loud or in our heads these comments uh, jolting us the way that hitting a rock with a shovel might jolt us. And this is where the tool of silence comes in. Seek to not say the first thing that comes into your head. And when it pops in there, shush ourselves. Shush ourselves. Not harshly, but simply saying, shh, hush, silence. Doing this lets us have space for developing sensitivity for allowing other thoughts, kinder, more gracious thoughts to work their way in. It creates an environment where God can plant a seed and the Holy Spirit can water it. Now, I just wanna to talk to just maybe a handful of people who right now are saying, well, that's stupid. And I have a right to my opinion. Yeah, I think that's what Jesus was talking about in this parable. Those are the rocks. We don't have to be transformed, but let's not pretend we are if we're not willing to change the environments of our hearts. I'm gonna stop us right there. It does us no good to get more information into our heads if it only goes in one ear and out the other. Frankly, we could work on these two pieces, these two steps for years, and it would benefit us. Uh, so next week, Pastor Jonathan is going to preach, and I'm going to come back after that and do the second two steps that we hear in this text. But between now and then, consider reading this text from Mark every day. Try fasting from familiar inputs and watch in silence. That is, shush yourself. I've had to do it just this week, seeing people uh, wearing masks, but maybe not wearing them over their nose or not wearing masks or not social distancing. And 
thoughts come to my mind. And I need to say to myself, shh, hush, silence. Do we not have the right to our opinion? Of course we do. But what we're trying to do is to create space, to create soil that is perfectly designed for God to grow his spirit in us. That's what we want to do. Let's stop scrolling, doom scrolling, fast from all of those inputs, and shush our rocky thoughts. For those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Amen.
sound Oh may I then in him be found Just in his righteousness Thank you for worshiping online with Stonebridge Community Church. God has cast seeds of love and hope upon us, and this is good news. So now let our hearts be good soil for planting and growing, that we may bear a fruitful harvest of hope and peace in our lives, in the lives of our families, in the lives of those closest to us and in our community. Let us praise God who is generous with us, with the example of our lives. Go in peace. Mm -hmm.